Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slam Fire Radio. This is episode 360 for June 25th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel. I am Random Dave, another one of your hosts, and only the two of us tonight. Uh, the other hosts were uh, COVID? They got, the, they got the Rona? Pretty sure they got the Rona, yeah, from that, uh, that French kissing expedition out to, um, I don't know, France. So, question, Dave, how many times have you thought you've had the Rona so far? Zero? Oh, I've had like two times where like, oh man, I got the sniffles, my throat's sore, maybe it's the Rona. And it's been nothing. It's been nothing both Great. times. <laughs> like, like going to medical school and suddenly have a brain tumor every <laughs> It's not a tumor. <laughs> not a tumor, you're fine. Might be a tumor. Uh, no, it's... Yeah, no, no Corona here. I've been keeping well away from people and at uh, work when I'm near people, I've been wearing a mask. So I've, I've been distanced enough, Sorry. but it's like, you still get that like doubt, that little scratching in the back of your head. Maybe it's the Rona. Maybe it's the Rona. <laughs> no, so far, no, no Corona virus or beer. So, so far, no Corona. We've, we've been good here. There's hasn't, hasn't been that many, uh, it's like 500 or something in my County which is like freaking huge. So mm. eh. yeah, if people wash their hands more and, you know, stay away from other human beings, it's probably not a bad idea to do anyway, then uh, you'd probably be okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Uh, why don't we get into uh, what we did in guns? What we did in guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary shooting center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Right now they have the Chris Vector Gen 2 in 45 ACP and 10 millimeter. So if you want to go deer hunting, I guess, with the 10 millimeter. Absolutely. Mm, black yeah, gun deer hunting. Deer yeah. yeah. You got to get the level shooting with when you're deer hunting. So that's what the Chris Vector is perfect for. Because it's got that V recoil system. Have you ever taken one of those things apart? I've seen, I watched a couple of videos of them. It's, it's crazy. crazy. The bolt like is, the bolt it like ang has this little angle thing that follows this rail that goes down in the in the in the v in front of it so like yeah. it recoils and goes down so it keeps level when you're shooting which would be really cool if you're a full auto here in canada wow. when we've got like five ten round mags kind of a thing and it's only semi-automatic it's less it's less useful but i suppose if you were hunting deer with one of these things in 10 millimeter you could just pop up just pump it if it was really close just follow-up shot after follow-up shot. Uh, completely <laughs> unnecessary, all of them. Hopefully, you only need the one and maybe one follow-up. But This uh, is okay. not a hunting show. Uh, all of our opinions are uh, for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't light deer up. Uh, don't Unless light the deer right up. At you. So. If they're coming right at you, I would want a Vector CRB, yeah. uh, which uh, Calgary Shooting Center has for $2,249. Uh, Dave, have you done anything in guns this week? 
I have done very little with guns other than clean the gun, and that's about all I did. I fondled all my pistols and sorted ammo and talked about guns a lot with people, but I have not actually gone shooting or done anything with significance. How about you? What have you done, Adrian? Uh, let's see. I got out to uh, two maple seeds in one weekend. That was last weekend. And uh, oh, 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 that was uh, uh, a lot of, uh, well, I, you know, I, I thought I thought of it as like I've done this before. I've had like two in a like two uh, in a row like that, and it hasn't been that bad. Uh, but uh, I was I was I was tired after <laughs> after running those two. I think it's just uh, it's been so long, right? It's it's been since yeah. uh, October September October last year, and uh, and now finally getting back into the swing of things. And boy, it's uh, it's been a while. But uh, it was good. They're both both of them were really good. They were just in, in Edmonton, local here. Uh, nice. Had some some really good shooters out too. A lot of people that uh, that put up some really good uh, really good scores and uh, all really safe. All really really nice. A lot of a lot of IITs out there as well. A lot of the uh, uh, assistant trainers. So I felt nice. really well supported. Uh, almost, almost spoiled. I would say spoiled. Spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because of because of how much help I had on hand, and uh, it makes it a lot easier to run one of those things when you have a bunch of people who know what they're doing, uh, have like can execute on what they need to do, and uh, are there to uh, to help out the students. So, uh, so that yeah, was all. It makes things a lot smoother when everybody knows. Everybody's got their shoes tied and they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How did, how did, how did you? How many uh, how many shooters did you have, and how are you working out the social distancing for the maple seeds? Uh, we're just running like very wide uh, shooting lines. So I've got a spreadsheet that like calculates out um, how much frontage I need for how many shooters. And uh, we just use that to make sure that we don't get over the uh, two meters. Like one thing that kind of throws a wrench in there is if we get family groups together, they can take, they can, I can put them as close as I want to, right? If, if uh, a yeah. father and son or a father and daughter or something like that show up. So or a husband and wife kind of a thing. So um, they can be closer, but everyone else needs two meters. So I just uh, went on the assumption of two meters for everyone and just call it a day kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing we've been doing is just restricting um, age limits as well and who can go just because we can't be like right on top of someone. Uh, so we couldn't have like a, a really young child or something like that uh, on the line. Gotcha. Which the tough part is like, uh, some uh, kids are like super safe and would be fine at a young age, but some aren't. So um, there's really nothing you can do there other than like, cause like, you, you can't measure or, ha or have like a fair way of, uh, of measuring uh, how safe they are. Uh, so we just use it. We, we had to use just like a, an age limit. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, both events were really good. The weather was, was fantastic for both of them. Um, and I got home on the Sunday and I went for a nap at six and I woke up at uh, 8 a.m. the next morning. So uh, <laughs> I was a little bit tired. <laughs> I, I think that's just because I have it like it's it's been so long before I've done like real work where it's like two days of like doing stuff yeah. in a row in the heat. And uh, I, yeah. was, I was thinking the other day that I got to I got to get out and get in better shape because I was uh, doing some stuff in the yard and I'm like, I am going to freaking die on the range if i am out there all day i gotta start running and lifting weights yeah. and just get out and walking every day because it's gonna it's gonna freaking kill me when we get out doing service just rifle you know it's getting like the 10 steps hours in yeah have you ever have yeah. you ever run like one of those uh, those step things where you i think i've got one around here somewhere one of, one of the guys had one and he said no. he put on seven thousand steps which is like 
three or three three times like what a what a normal day would be. Uh, and we I've had a, I've done that at three gun before, where it's like I've done twelve thousand steps in a day. If you if you really yeah. move around, and that is uh, for someone who doesn't do a lot, for people who are like staying home and working from home and not uh, going on like death marches every day, that's a lot to to all of a sudden uh, expose your body to. Yeah, we had a uh, we had one of the guys bring a one of those Fitbits out to a service rifle match. And when we're doing service rifle, you're you're walking 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 meters a lot, and then you're down, <laughs> but, and then you're back up at the firing line, and then you're doing your rundowns, and sometimes you're taking your kit back, and going for lunch, going for you know coming back up for lunch sometimes, and uh, yeah, you, you got his 10,000 steps in pretty easily. Uh, yeah, 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 you you, uh, you rack those up. Um, yeah. But they they went really well, so I'm 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 really pumped. Right. We've got a a bunch of instructors here that are helping to to support us in in our local area, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So I've been planning out some more because uh, we got delayed, right? We're start supposed to start in March. I'm kind of glad we didn't start in March because that one that weekend was going to be nasty. Other than the <laughs> Rona, uh, it was a, it was a nasty weekend. And then we had uh, stuff planned earlier in the year too, and I couldn't make it to the match in March for CQB, mm -hmm. which I'm kicking, kicking myself now because that was our last one for the moment. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there were a few days I looked out the window, and I'm like, kind of glad I'm not out on the range today. <laughs> it's okay yeah. when you're shooting, when you're standing around watching people shoot. It gets, gets damn cold. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, so I'm planning out some more to uh, to to kind of cramp some more into the season we have left, and. Uh, should be doing two or three per month until hunting season, really. So nice, yeah. And then Very the other cool. thing I did is uh, kind of kind of gun related. I think it's gun related. I got this green screen. So uh, right now it's just like a regular one. I need to light it properly. I got like a window open, so it's like not really lit properly. But I'm gonna use this for uh, gun videos so that I can do the talking head on top of like gun like close-ups of the gun move it around and be like this is butt stock blah 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 and i could just be like a drill in the in the bottom right corner over here just talking and <laughs> oh over here over here <laughs> that kind of thing and i mean the other nice thing is that you know it's, it's slick for uh for doing backgrounds on zoom so yeah i was doing a weird thing i think it was when your lighting was changing in the lower right corner all of a sudden i'd see the green start to come up i turn like away. this oh, oh, oh my camera just doesn't know what to do with it now <laughs> yeah it's actually yeah. it's Pretty good when you're holding together. I notice when I um, when I'm using a background in Zoom, particularly the area between my head and my earphones goes all weird all the time. Yeah, don't know what to do with that. So the green screen is is looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll use it on my uh, gun reviews and that kind of stuff too. Uh, other than that, nothing really. I think I'm going to hit the range this weekend because I got to get that Winchester Wildcat out, and I want to get out with my oldest. What's that? get it out and break it uh, maybe maybe yeah <laughs> um the stuff i saw online about it seemed to indicate the accuracy was uh right around an inch at 50 yards so i'm gonna uh i'm gonna see if it's there or if it's a little bit better um like that's not anything special a lot of people say like oh my 22 does half an inch at 50 yards and i would uh I would say that most don't. Most of them don't do uh, a half inch at 50 yards consistently. Like you couldn't take uh, a five spot uh, a piece of paper and put five rounds into half inch on all on the same uh, paper. 
Yeah. But uh, well, that's not how it works. You fire 25 rounds and then you draw a circle around the five that are closest and say that's your group. You shoot so. 10 three-round groups and you circle the best one. And you're like, that one. That's the, what the right one can do. <laughs> All these other ones, ah, I pulled that one or I fly landed on the paper and I thought that was the hole or I don't know. <laughs> I used to have a, a guy I used to shoot with, and he would uh, he would mock people who would say that, you know, oh, my gun does X. He'd take them out to the range and go, okay, so here's your target. Put 50 rounds into it, and let's see how you do. <laughs> gun shoots half inch. Let's see you do it. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things I'm kind of curious about that I might – I wonder if it works with this Winchester. It probably would because it uses the same 10, 1022 mags. The Spectre Ballistics uh, mag – adapter for the 597 i bet you that would work in there and they started making aluminum ones they started with like these 3d printed ones which were all right by themselves but i believe they have an aluminum one now and uh chris, chris just said he picked up one of the first 3d gen and then uh sorry kurt and then chris commented he picked up the aluminum one how is it chris Ooh, yeah i want one of those i know that there's a 597 mag that works well and there's one that doesn't work well. And one of them's clear and one of them's black. I think the black one works better. I can't remember though. Anyways, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to try one of those uh, because uh, more, more bullets, more bullets. Mm -hmm. More bullets, mm -hmm. that's good. I mean, uh, Chris and Kurt might be, might be looking at those because our local three gun club has started to uh, have a, a pea shooter division where you can use 22 LR. Uh, because mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of guys like they might have had one or two ARs for for three gun, and now they uh, don't. So uh, we we have a twenty two division that they can use now as well. Oh, that's cool. And you can shoot that anywhere too. So I mean, like it was primarily just because like we have so many people who like they like three gun is their thing, and uh, uh, if they pick up another semi auto non restricted two D three right now. How long before it gets banned? Yeah, it's like, it's really not predictable, so it's hard to ask people. Well, go get an ACR. <laughs> what happens if the ACR is like? What happens if the RCMP decide that the ACR is an AR-15 variant? Wow, there's another three grand out yeah. the window, right? Yeah. And that's that's the problem that I've run into is I've I've still got my Tavor, which I sold in April. If anyone from the RCMP is listening, mm -hmm. but uh, you know. Um, I think the bullpups are going to be safe for now. I think you're safe for like another like two to four years at least. Which is hilarious because the antis have like a huge hard on for bullpups. They hate them because they're all mm -hmm. space gunny and as salty. Compact. But you can't say that's an AR-15. Nope. It ain't an AR-15. Like it's, well, mind you that Typhoon isn't an AR-15 either, but I mean, this doesn't even look like an AR-15. So ironically enough, yeah, I think that uh, I'll be good Horses for a safe. Bit. Yep. Uh, but uh, try shooting like uh, I don't know if you've if you've run into one of those before. Uh, have you ever run into uh, uh, the barricade that has all the little slots that are cut into it at weird angles? Mm -hmm. Trying to run one of those with a Tavor is an exercise in futility because uh, the slots aren't big enough for you to stick the barrel and get your scope through. Yeah, yeah. and I can't shoot it left-handed. And I can't shoot it. Well, you it. can. I it just hurts. Yeah. <laughs> get brass in the face. Very much hurt. I know a bunch of people who uh, who do uh, a few people who run Tavors for CQB. And when you're down on the ground, you're shooting modified prone, and the ejection port's right there. It's very unpleasant. 
So that's pretty unpleasant with an AR too. You get a lot of spray. I got I got a big break on mine. I tried shooting my 12 inch from uh, modified uh, from like Urban Prone, and the spray off of it was nuts, nuts. Even my 16 inch, the spray is nuts off of it. Was it dry or wet out? Uh, I don't think it matters. Like it'll shred whatever's like in front of you where the where the where that break is gonna be. I like guys shooting them in the mud and then their optic is just coated with dirt and they can't see anything. It's like, I oh, shouldn't have that big break on your gun. I got a, I got a picture of my red dot that I got to send to you where it is like caked. I was still using it, but it's like, mm-hmm. you can actually use, uh, you can use a red dot uh, with the front fully caked in mud as long as you keep both eyes open. You just yeah. keep both eyes open. You see that dot and your other eye will see through and see whatever you're aiming at. And it kind of works except at long distance at long distance I, I it doesn't work for me maybe maybe it works for other people but if i do the two eye thing with the with no front cover on the on the red dot yeah, it doesn't work okay that's kind of cool uh where where were we we were talking about green screens and and we got way off topic here we were talking about what we did this week in guns yeah 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 i gotta get to the range yes yeah i gotta get to the range shoot that wildcat uh, get my boy out there so he can shoot his 243 and uh, get practice with that because uh, this is his year. This is this is his first year. He can get out and do a deer. That's and, awesome. Uh, there's like a special youth license that you can get and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, gotta gotta get some practice in. Maybe do some maple seed reps with him. So he's got that sling use and he's got that uh, confidence in in making hits. Yeah. Uh, why don't we get on to upcoming events? So our upcoming events is sponsored by Telos Alpha. Telos Alpha is a Canadian digital agency that works exclusively in the firearms vertical. They help with business processes, strategic planning, websites, e-commerce, and battling the stigma the industry carries with banks, merchant processors, and social media. Learn more at telosalpha.com. Uh, our first event is the fifth annual Ronnie DeGroot Memorial Steel Challenge. This will be on July 4th. USPSA Steel Challenge rules and stages, seven stages, seven squads of 10, cost is 25 bucks, and you can find it on practice score. News. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of that debate that uh, Tracy had with the lady from New Zealand? I didn't yet, but I did greatly enjoy the fact that the uh, the polysuvian people tweeted it, and they're like, it's nice to see science-based and fact-based approaches fight those evil, no-good gun owners. I'm like, even without watching it, I know that was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it was. I mean, the, the other thing that, uh, uh, that the uh, debates uh, company that put this on did uh, that was kind of interesting was they, they actually mentioned, yeah, we tried to get uh, someone from Canada to do this uh, with the Canadian, with Tracy, and uh, they all declined or just ignored us. <laughs> they, were, which, which, yeah, they were too scared. Let's put it clearly. They did not want too to debate. Scared. And what's the point? They're winning right now at the moment. They've won what they wanted. So what do they have to do? Uh, they want more. They want yeah. more. Um, they wanted all true. the semi-autos, and then all the handguns, and then all the pump guns, and then and then and then and then bolt guns. Just keep keep picking away. Yeah. So yeah. I think uh, I think they are. Uh, I don't know. 
yeah, they're going to keep picking at it. But yeah, she did. She did debate someone from New Zealand. Uh, it is on YouTube, and uh, it is uh, somewhat enjoyable. Get get like jump about mid midway through, and it's uh, it's a pretty interesting listen. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, uh, gun stuff uh, online recently here as well. Colia Noir just popped in on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. That was uh, I, I listened to that one. That was very interesting as well. And, I like uh, him. It's very well spoken. Yeah, yeah, he's well spoken. He has a very practical uh, approach to things as well. He's, he's not a zealot. Uh, I think yeah. that, that when um, when you have zealots from both sides talking about something, it's not a super constructive uh, conversation. When you have uh, more practical people, it's uh, it's just easier to listen to and it's more applicable to real life. Well, that's uh, what's going to get the public too. If you've got zealots, then yeah, I don't, I don't bother listening. I just think people like that. I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of new gun stuff, Profit River is going to do another open box sale on Vortex. So if you're looking for Vortex optics, we've talked about this a couple times in the past. Uh, Profit River does this thing where they they sell these open box and demo units uh, at pretty impressive prices. Like Vortex's stuff is uh, map priced, which means that uh you get the same price regardless of the store except for these because these are all uh demo box or or sorry demo or open box that mean like that's still a lifetime warranty so if it breaks like you still send it back and get a new one uh and the prices are i don't know on average half like right around uh uh what would you say 60 60 percent or 50 percent somewhere around there so uh, go to CGN, check out the thread on Profit River. Uh, they said it was going to start in about a week, which is about now. Yeah, about now. Maybe these are all sold. Oh, am I too late on this? There's still a handful of orders unpaid. Feel free to call anytime. Okay, so uh, call them and see if there's anything left. Yeah. I don't know if they've been updating this or not. Yeah, <laughs> have they been updating their stock on their thread? I might have been too late, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, next, Western Metal has uh, a bunch of new and once fired brass. So if you're looking for some reloading brass, check them out. And then lastly, uh, if you're looking for the CSA VZ61 Combat Scorpion, which is the, the real, the, the old cool looking scorpion. What was it on, uh, on GoldenEye, the Kolb? That's what the Kolb was, right? Scorpions? Yeah, I don't remember. They're in a lot of movies. Yeah. Anyways, if you want one of those in 22, uh, Soli Outdoors has them. I'm pretty sure they're restricted because it's like a small folding stock uh, 22 pistol. Uh, go check those out uh, at Soli Outdoors. And they have those for $800. What was the price? $839. Yep. Which are kind of neat if you want to shoot something in 22. And they're fun. That'll catch some. That'll catch some attention at the range. Oh, you're posting these on the Facebook group. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's that's useful. That makes it so that people can just check it out. I don't have to share it on the thing. Oh. Imagine that. Make things easy Amazing. for people. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we get on to the uh, main topic? 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slam Fire Radio. Tonight, our guest is Craig Coleman. Craig is a 20-year officer with Toronto Police Services. He's a competition shooter, one of the nicest and most interesting people I've ever met, and a complete smartass, which is probably why I'm saying that and why we get along so well. So welcome to Slam Fire Radio, Craig. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, so uh, you wanted to get on. You wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, about the, the gun ban and... Uh, how, how how is it affecting you? Yeah, what uh, what competitions do you, do you partake in? Are you like an ipsic shooter, service rifle? So I uh, I'll, I'll preface it by saying, years ago I got into a jackpot, and through that jackpot, um, I mean it's public record and stuff like that as well. It's nothing where I got in trouble or anything like that, but it, it's something where myself and my partner had to engage some people, and we were outnumbered. Um, uh, two to six and firearms were involved as well as the discharge of those firearms and um, all the bad guys were caught and stuff like that as well so I found out afterwards when I decompressed from it all I'm like well you know what I think I can do better at this and there's got to be something out there where I can do some training and I just become better at that prowess so that's when I started on my quest to learn how to just be, shoot better. It was just, just with training. First, it was with, uh, uh, with my, uh, my issued pistol. And then I started uh, doing courses. And then I started doing courses with uh, the 870, which is what we, uh, which we are issued. And then just through the internet blowing up a lot more, uh, a few years after that, I got on um, Gun Nuts and uh, met a whole bunch of people and started talking about different competitions and stuff like that. Got involved with, um, uh, are, Dave, are we allowed to say who we shoot with or do they like to be left out of things? Uh, don't, don't mention last names, just first names is fine. Oh, I was gonna say, am I allowed to say the ORA? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, so I got hooked up with some people in the ORA uh, and then started to shoot uh, CQB, which was great for me because we were transitioning to C8s and, uh, you know, I had my own and, um, you know, doing pistol and the, um, uh, the C8 component or the civilian AR, if, if we're going to call it that, just made me a lot better. And I just started to notice when I was doing um, my recalls every year, I was more and more comfortable. I was more and more confident and I was becoming a better shooter. My fundamentals were a lot better as well. And my scoring and my groupings at competitions, even though there's not a lot of stress induced, um, were just a lot better. And just through the years also, the instructors that were getting to know me, because you see the ones, same ones over and over again every year, you know, were saying, you know, you've, you've grown exponentially. And uh, ORA and CQB, I mean, that's been my, that's my therapy every summer. I look forward to that all the time. I'm not a hunter personally. I've just never gotten around to doing anything like that. Uh, I still take a lot of courses whenever I can. Uh, a lot of them are generally pistol related because that is for us in law enforcement, that's our primary as opposed mm -hmm. to um, in the military where your primary is, is your rifle. Yeah. And uh, so how is this affecting me personally as a person? I'm angry because as everybody said before, the way it's been done, that's not, that's not appropriate. That's not the way we are supposed to do things here where we're supposed to be democratic and stuff. We can go down that rabbit hole. I'm sure a lot of people have before. What has it done for me as a police officer? 
it's actually reduced the amount of time I've been able to go and practice outside on my own time with my own ammunition and um, our training at work because of COVID and some other things as well. We can't always get in the training that we require. And that just makes me feel, I don't know, it makes me feel like I'm getting behind the curve, so to speak. You know, and, that's, uh, that's interesting that um, I was just watching Joe Rogan's podcast and he had Jocko on and he had Colia Noir and uh, yep. they mentioned the yep. same thing that police are generally not uh, uh, trained enough and that a lot of them uh, go out and do training on their private time to try to get up like up to where they, they feel comfortable with uh, uh, firearms manipulation and being able to handle a, a, a that's exactly uh, extreme it, situation, right? Yeah, a lot of it even starts with people that they may not even be a firearms person, but they might be a person that's physical. So you maintain your fitness throughout your throughout your career as best as you can. Yeah. Um, a lot of people get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They get into different martial arts. You know, uh, when you get older and, you know, things really start to hurt because of all the gear you carry. Some people get into yoga, you know, stuff like that. And that just makes you a better person for later on, um, you know. Am I confident in a gunfight? Yeah, sure I am. Could I be better? Absolutely. Everybody can be better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How many, for people who don't know, when you, when you do your quals once, you, what do you, how often do you do your requalifications? Which weapons do you use? And how many, like, what does it involve? How many rounds are fired? What sort of course of fire do you have for that? Uh, sorry, which platforms do I use? Yes. <laughs> weapons. Which weapons do you use? <laughs> You're not uh, carrying them for fun. No, I know. It's uh, I just, I just hate, I just hate that term because it gets uh, mm. masked around a lot in the civilian world. But uh, as with most services, we carry uh, the Glock pistol, and then on top of that, we have eight um, seventies, uh, and they're shorties. They're fantastic. Um, and then we also have 870s that have been converted to uh, less lethal, and they are marked as such. And the two different types of 870s that we have never, ever intermingle. They're never shared in the same car. They're never shared in the same locker room. And the ammunition is never, ever mixed. And uh, people that carry them, partners don't carry one of each. And they're, it's just, it's just, that's just the way it is. And then um, we have tasers for those that are that are issued. Um, in my office, I, I don't have a taser. I just never got. I just not high enough on the list to get one. And then of course we have the C8, the Colt Canada C8. And then as far as um, uh, qualifications, you know, when you first get on, you're sent to uh, Ontario Police College, or you start at your own home college, which with Toronto, you're there for two weeks. Then you're sent away for three months you come back and you do another 10 weeks of training before you even hit the road. Then you go to your, um, your division, you do another 10 weeks training at the division. And then on top of that, you round out the rest of your probation. So with us, it's almost a year's worth of training. And all through that time, when you're in the schooling component, it's a constant use of force and constant um, firearms as well as driving and things like that as well. Uh, it's, it's a high round count. And then every year uh, you have your qualification and there's the provincial qualification that is uh, put out. Uh, I don't have it handy. It, it's available online. You can look it up. It, it's a public document. Um, I've been to a couple um, 
civilian classes where they actually use that as a standard. And, uh, and it's not easy. And also um, with C8, um, you, you can, if you're lucky, you can do it every, two, every six months. But that's also just generally a, a yearly recall. Same with um, uh, the shotguns. And if you're lucky, you can sometimes squeeze in twice a year, depending on where your birthday falls and depending on where uh, there might be a spot that's open or something like that. So there's been years where I've, um, I've done two quals back to back just because, of, I don't know, something happened and I'm happy to go. So. Why not? Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a, it's a half day of shooting. It's done on the same day that we do all our use of force training as well. So with that shooting, we're also doing our, um, uh, uh, non-weaponized use of force, like hand to hand and self-defense and stuff like that. And then we intermingle that with, um, with scenarios with live fire, because we now have uh, shoot houses that are set up in our, in our specific range at our college. And then we also do, um, scenario training where sometimes we use simunitions and things like that. So, and that's, uh, those are self-correcting problems. If your leg is out too far or your, say your arm, it really sucks getting hit in the armpit or in the inner thigh. So I hope that answers long, long story, but that's, that's what we got. Yeah. Okay, cool. So when you're qualifying with a pistol, um, how many rounds would you put, put down range in the day to do your qualification? Uh, so what they will generally do, which is no secret anymore, is when you show up and you receive your firearm back from the, uh, the firearms officers there, uh, you'll have your three mags that are full. So they're, they're prohib, right? So they're 15 rounds. And uh, you will go to the line and you'll do a warm up just with those 15 uh, street rounds that we have. And they'll, they'll come up with something just to, just to shoot cold bore, just to get you going, get you warming up. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, depending on who the, uh, the instructor is. We have a lot of really switched on instructors, so we're lucky in that respect. And then on top of that, the provincial recall, tell you the truth, I have no idea. I can't tell you what the round count is, the actual specific recall, but then the practicing up to it, and then some of the, uh, the fun shooting afterwards, because we've gotten into shooting steel lately, as well as uh, reactive nice. targets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty slick. That's cool. Uh, they spent some coin on uh, some frangible ammunition and it's nice to hear that ping, right? So that you have that uh, reactive target, it'll either drop and then it'll bounce back up. So I think in that day we might be five to 600 rounds. So, oh, okay. and it's, it's 40 cal and it, and it's full power too. So I'm not going to lie. As you get older, you're risking your elbow. It's a, uh, it kind of sucks. That's a that's a decent uh, workout for a full day. Like <laughs> many shots out of a forty, and I mean, it yeah. sounds like um, the nice thing about again shooting steel is you you don't know how fast you shoot you can shoot something uh, until you hear that steel pinging back to you. It was one of the one of the early indicators to me when I started shooting three gun that like oh I can go faster because I can hear the steel the steel ringing back to me. I don't I don't need to like visually verify that I'm hitting that paper target right. Yeah, yeah, and the steel that we do shoot, it's it's small, right? So it's almost like I'd say it's smaller than a B zone on a on an IPSC target, hmm. and you know, depending on the distance away, because that way, when you do hear the ping and it does go down properly, you at least know you're hitting somewhat is supposed to be center mass. So anything bigger than that, you're not doing yourself justice, and neither is the instructor, because if you shoot one that's the size of a, I don't know, the size of a, a dishwasher and you, it pings and all you're doing is you're just hitting like the corner 
that, that's not doing a whole heck of a lot for you. That's cool. What kind of uh, what kind of ranges would you be shooting? Um, uh, distances. At distances, I think the provincial recoil we shoot as far back as 25 meters. Okay. So it's a fair bit. Uh, it was always put to me by the older instructors when I got on. If something happens, you should be able to get a proper sight alignment and um, place uh, shots properly um, from across the street. If you were in a scenario where that was happening and you had the proper backdrop and there was nobody else, it was just the straight bad guys. So. But unfortunately, here in the um, you know the urban sprawl, a lot of times that doesn't happen. A lot of a lot of them happen. I don't know within I'd say less than ten meters sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I've done some reading about pistol pistol fights that people have, and that it like touching is not uncommon from what I've seen. Yeah, I'm very I, very close. So the ones that I've been involved with on the street, I mean, I won't get into them. But my very first one in two thousand three. Uh, the first action took place just under four meters and then expanded to outside the store and then into an alley. So, and then the, the shots were a little bit further than that. So with returning fire. Yeah. Wow. So if you're just requalifying once a year, essentially you're, you're just not going to get that using it constantly sort of no. familiarity with the gun you're not going to have that muscle memory of doing your draw engaging your your mag changes any of that no. stuff and then what so what i tell people about that is some people don't think that's enough i agree with them but there's also this time there's money you know all you know my time i got to put it into go if i want to go every you know every month or something like that um but the other thing as well is a lot of people don't, they're not firearms people when they get into this job. I've, uh, I work with people that they know the basic nomenclature of, of the pistol and that's essentially it. They've never done any training outside of the workplace and they're just, that's just not their thing. They're not, I'm not saying they're not switched on. I know they're good coppers when we're out on the street and we're doing things and I can count on this person. But then again, you've got other people that have taken it upon themselves to go and get the extra training and invest in buying um, personal firearms that mimic what we have at work. My first Glock was a 40 cal. I still have it because I, I, I acquire 40 uh, cal training ammunition. And every now and then I use that just so that I you know, remember the feel. But uh, I've since converted over to nine mil and hopefully one day we'll do that too. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know that uh, some cops shoot uh, Ipsic with their Yes. Uh, either either with their their duty stuff or with stuff that's very close to their duty stuff, so that they they uh, don't pick up any habits that won't work on the street, and yeah. so that they're training with what they have. And and that's one of the cool things. I've been looking into IPSC for years. I've just never gotten around to getting my uh, my black badge. Again, it's just time because uh, CQB consumed me. It, it's like my therapy. I loved it. I thought it was just fantastic. And the people that I've met over the years, just everybody says it about their different group. You can, you can join a, a knitting group and say these people are, you know, cream the crop. But uh, some of the people I've met in the firearms community, whether they're just private citizens or whether they're actual people that work for businesses that, you know, support the community, bang on people, man. I, uh, I know lately there's a lot of uh, anti-police sentiment, even on certain forums, but the circle of people that I've trained with and that I shoot with cream of the crop. 
and I do what I can for them whenever they ask for help, whether it's firearms related or they need advice on something or something else like that. But IPSC or anything like that is really good because yes, you're allowed to use pretty well what you would wear at work. Yeah, I know a few uh, a few people that have not done so well on their quals, and uh, one of them was told go go sh go start shooting IPSC and come see us again. Yep, and, yep. Uh, they did very well once they started shooting IPSC a bit. So. so one of our one of our instructors, I think he's either an IDPA or an IPSC or an ODPL shooter, and that's what we've started to notice in regards to okay, now we've got pop up targets, we now are shooting steel, and we're incorporating a lot more. Um, lateral forward and backward movement movement with one hand as well as uh, a bit of sprinting of course we've got a spotter and a safety that are holding on to us so you don't uh, you know fall over and shit the bed but uh, other than that that's what they're really starting to push on you now because we're finding that's a lot of what we're engaging now on the streets as it is so where people are starting to jump out of their cars and they're starting to shoot at us so yeah so the dynamics the dynamic styles of shooting are helping and then your your guy who shoots as a civvy is bringing that back to the force yeah yeah and which is cool. which is good like if you don't evolve you become stagnant right so yeah and given how training sometimes works it sometimes takes a long time for what you're actually seeing out there to be reflected you know through all the bureaucracy back into the training so that's uh that's yeah it is cool. Yeah, it is. I've always thought it would be kind of cool to have something set up downrange where it's, you know, I mean, now the technology's there where we have something set up. And while we're engaging targets, there's some sort of robot or something down at the end shooting paintballs back at us. So that would be, uh, <laughs> I tell you, there'd be a lot of uh, cover versus concealment self-correction there. A couple yeah. of years ago, one of our local police forces was doing force-on-force -force training, and I knew one of the guys who was on the force, so he got me in, so I brought my paintball gun out. Yeah. And uh, many, many lessons were learned, and many, many, many painful bruises were gained. And uh, by the end of the day, because it hurt if you screwed up, it I, everybody got really, really good by the end of the weekends. <laughs> yeah, when we <laughs> first started... When Columbine, when Columbine happened, and then we were um, changing the way we when we first started using the term active shooter about how we would go in and what we would do and stuff like that as well. A lot of our scenarios were taking place in the hallways of our colleges because um, we had two running at the time and uh, the bad guys were of course the instructors and they had the better simulation platforms that didn't jam. And a lot of them were, um, you know, MP5s, uh, CH, just different things like that, that they would be able to drill you right from down the hall. And again, yeah, a lot of it was self-correcting so that when you go back to your station after and you put your vest back on, uh, it was, it was like a, you know, third place ribbon you would get because you would still have the paintballs mark still on your, on your uniform because it was a real pain. <laughs> it was a pain to get out of that nylon we used to wear. So. Nice. So what, what uh, have, have other, like other cops that you've been talking to, have they been mentioning as well that this is really going to affect their training? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of police friends within my service as well as other services that are now kind of shaking, you know, scratching their head going, well, this is now prohibited. How can this happen? I didn't really become political until I became a firearms owner. And I only really became really, really political maybe about eight years ago I think where you really start to understand 
what rights and permissions you do have and what you don't have, what can be taken away and what is supposed to stand. And a lot of my friends are just as upset. And if I line them all up and you know, we put them all on the show here, you, know, you would probably have some expletives and stuff like that because when we're not working, I mean, technically we're always at work 24 seven, but when you're at home and you have something that's yours that you've invested time and money in, and then you stand the chance of losing it or have the opportunity to say, turn it in. If that is your, if that's what you're going to do, that's, that's your right to do. But also say you're only going to get like, I think we're only going to get like 250 bucks or something like that for an AR. So uh, a lot, a lot of angry people. And I mean, I have, I have eight that I've accumulated over the years. Do I need eight? Probably not now, but that's just the way it is. You know, Hey man, I got a roll pin. Guess I better start to build. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Better flash hider, better find a rifle to put it on. Well, what, yeah, are you yeah. gonna, what are you going to train with now? Because like, yeah, the ARs would be ideal to, to train with. Uh, uh, so right now what this is doing is it's refocusing my training um, for this year. Uh, Andrew has saved CQB to an extent where we are shooting um, the NSCC uh, competition out of Guelph and we're doing it with pistol and it's uh, I'm just refocusing on pistol for now because again mm -hmm. that is my primary and I have noticed over the last couple of years even though my scores in CQB have gone up that's because of me getting really good at the rifle anybody can shoot a rifle but it's a fantastic platform whether it's lever action pump action semi-auto it doesn't matter pistol is the baseline and I started to notice that my scores for pistol were starting to really really go down and uh, the first match we had two weeks ago, uh, as one of the the guy that placed first, he's a he's a friend of mine, RCMP copper that sh came down from Ottawa to shoot with us. He said, uh, "That's a that's not a grouping. That's a that's a pattern." <laughs> so well, I've noticed in CQB that the guys who like really really do well, even some of the older fatter guys, it's because they get all their pistol heads. Right, and when yes. I'm running a range, I'll joke at the start of the day when we put our uh, when we put our figure 14s up on the target. I'll joke and I'll say, "Hey, you know, uh, you can take these home at the end of the day because you're not going to have any hits on them anyway." And end of the day, uh, there'll be like there'll be like two patches on it. <laughs> yep. Uh, or at the end of the day, I've had it as well where it's been clean and I've never had to. Yeah. We don't. But also for that what I'm doing is I'm concentrating because of the two targets. I'm concentrating on one side only to ensure I get all the proper hits. So I'm slowing down. That's where my pistol shots are going. I may not be scoring high, but I'm scoring proper. So yeah. the competition is actually between myself. So for the next couple of matches that Andrew's putting on, uh, I'm actually not like, I'm, I'm going to ask to be scored, but I'm not going to go through all the motions of switching hands and all that other stuff as well. I'm going to go through and shoot it so that I can 100% know where every single bullet is going. So it's just like I would if I was back at uh, the workplace doing, doing a drill or something like that. So, I mean, am I going to win? No, this last match, I fit, I finished dead last, like dead last. I joked about it on the internet there. Like if I look behind me, there's nobody behind me. I was last. <laughs> so, but the scores were really high as well. And then there's people that are also shooting optic and I'm, I'm just not there yet. I want to get my uh, I want to get my iron game back up. So now were, were they doing uh, were they doing uh, 
um, classes for that match where you've got irons and uh, an optic? Yeah, yeah. So you uh, you signed up ahead of time and said what you were doing, or okay. if you were there and you happened to change what it was you were doing. A lot of nice, a, real, a lot of really nice uh, firearms out there. Uh, seen some people come out with some new stuff, um, and of course now the red dot or the optic is like the thing now. And mm -hmm. I know it's there, I know there's services in the you know in the United States where the frontline cop that's what they're issued because it's actually once you train into it it's actually easier for hits. Um, there's specialty units here in Canada that have them. Can't really rhyme who they who the heck they are. But um, I don't think you'll see that anytime soon here in Canada for a frontline uh, person. But I've shot with them. There is a little bit of, I mean, you got to know height over bore and your offset and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And sometimes it's hard to find where your dot is. But once you're, once you're dialed in and you understand all those fundamentals, yeah, it's like shooting a laser beam. So, yeah. yeah. Do you guys have dots on your C8s? You guys must yes. have dots on those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, Comp M4s. And yeah. uh, that, that's the standard aim point. And I know years ago we had, through our different teams, we had varying optics. Um, but I now know that a lot of those have been put aside. Uh, we we're either using, um, yeah, aim point only for the patrol ones in the cars. And then the ones that are being swapped, the MRR, Colt Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've seen some... Uh, low power variable optics from loophold and i believe there's also a trigicon that's out there as well that's being tested hmm. oh, i would just i would just go with red dot just like i i shoot i shoot red dot limited uh with three gun and that's good i, I make hits up to three four hundred yards with that thing as long as you got yeah. the training with it it's faster it's it's way simpler with something like a comp m4 turn it on leave it on for what five years six years like the battery life on those things is insane yeah i uh i mean i went down the rabbit hole once everybody started saying oh you know get these scopes for the you know scopes for the for your rifle for cqb and stuff i'm like oh yeah these these are great uh you know i bought a few low powered a bunch of scopes and uh uh the last couple of years you know i was using them but i mean i wasn't really using the magnification it was more the reticle yeah. So, yeah. so now I've got a bunch. I've I've got a few like Steiners and loopholes and stuff. I haven't even nice touched. Stuff. Like they're just sitting in the box. So and I got the highest score ever shot in CQB. I shot with a uh, with a Hollis on red dot. Yeah. It was the best score ever shot. It was great. And second best was with a Leopold Mark AR. I was just slightly under that. It worked really well. If the light was a little lower, I would have liked to have had the red dot though. Yeah, Hollis on, of course. Nobody liked them when they first came out a few years ago, and but uh, I mean, I, I've heard from other people now in the industry that Holosun made their emitters or made their LEDs or something with uh, that they provided to other companies. So, and then just some of the stuff that they're releasing now, like that one, I don't know what it is, but it's really small and it looks like an EOTech. Yeah, that you know, and you can now get those sized optics. You can change the reticle in them. So, oh, that's cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Ooh. And uh, even now, their um, uh, you know their lasers, which we don't use much anyway, uh, their lasers are being used by a lot of people down in the states now. With you know, I frequent uh, ARFCOM and uh, a lot of great success. So yeah, those designators, especially on the low price end. Yeah, and just just the fact that they're being made, I guess, offshore, brings it to a price point where the everyday layman or layperson can can purchase them and try them out. Mm -hmm. So, 
I mean, I would love night vision. <laughs> yeah, you gonna have so. Oh, maybe with all the <laughs> maybe with all the optics I got to sell, you know, I, I probably could get something. Or something and the so ARs you sell back to the government, your your night vision budget will be like way through the roof. <laughs> not some of my ARs. <laughs> we're uh, we're fighting this tooth. We're fighting right to the end, and after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you were feeling pretty positive about winning the lawsuit. And I'm the amount of the amount of energy and everything I'm I'm seeing around it. I, it's it's not just gonna go away. It isn't gonna be a. It isn't going to be a. Well, they pass the law and everybody just goes away and doesn't say anything. This is gonna be a big a big yeah. thing. And I'm not one to. The only, I'm only on Facebook. I'm not a big social media person. I don't understand Twitter and all these other things. Um, I don't know. I feel for all the parents that are in the same situation as me as having a kid at home. Uh, TikTok is driving me crazy and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stuff like that. But just, you know, what I see is being said about the firearms community and about these, you know, uh, a rifle that is being made to kill the most amount of people possible in the lowest amount of time. Well, when we were talking offline, Dave, the other week, I'm like, I'm not even aware other than some criminal acts or some things that may not have hit the media where uh, an AR style rifle was used, but uh, I guess you had found one. And, but other than that, man, I'm worried about the AKs. I'm worried about the tech nines that we're finding on the street, as well as uh, the Mac tens and the Mac 11s. They're still out there. So. How is that possible? They've been prohibited since the nineties. <laughs> I can tell you, not publicly. <laughs> there's, some, there's some things I just can't uh, say. Like, uh, I've got no problem saying who I work for, what I do, and stuff like that as yeah. well. But there's, there's that, certain that things was, that I can't, that was, I can't say. That, that was a joke implying that, oh, you know. Oh, I know. Law, so that's how no, they're they don't. Them. They don't. It pisses me off every time I see one of the uh, Photoshops from TPS or one of the other police services. It's like, I can't own that. I want one of those. Yeah, criminals can own them. That is not cool. Yeah, you know, I see the I see those every now and then, and there's like a nice, really, uh, Benelli M4 or something in there. I'm like, man, I've been saving up for one of those, like, because I want one by the time I'm 50. But uh, I'm happy with my 870s. But yeah, it's like, oh man, this guy was able to go off and shoot that thing off. Lucky bugger. So at, at the in in the streets too. I mean, the range on every corner. We don't get to do that. I got to drive all the way to my range. I can't just go down to my local street corner. It sucks. Being law abiding yeah. it's a lot of work. But that's but it's in our fabric, right? You know, oh, the yeah. three of us yeah. three of us talking right now. That's the way we are. You know, we 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 hold ourselves to a higher standard. You know, they've put all these restrictions on firearms and stuff, and we willingly take them as gospel so that we can have the firearms, go hunting, do sports shooting and stuff like that as well. And we take it and we take it and we take it. But I mean, there's always an end game, right? So I have a, I have a guy that, uh, that I know, and he was uh, ex-military, ex-military officer. When he got out of the forces, he bought himself an AR-15. At the time they were unrestricted, he hunted with it, shot it wherever. When they restricted it, he said, no problem. I'm a good guy. He's going to register it. And I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know what? He said, why the hell did I bother? I followed yeah. all the rules. I did it everything that they said I had to do and now I'm being punished because I did what I thought was the right thing at the time and I was talking to him and I'm like would you register it again he said knowing what I know now 
absolutely not. I would, I would not register that gun. And, you know, like I said, this guy's like, this is an old dude. He's like 75, served his country for decades upon decades, law-abiding guy, has families, has a job, has a business. And now he's thinking, why, why did I bother obeying the law? And that and right there tells me that it's a bad law, that it does that to people. And it's unfortunate when you put good people, good Canadians into that position and force them to have that mindset and, and we shouldn't. So, I mean, I can go off on a ramble and I can get pissed off and I can say a lot of different things as, as well, but you know, what kind of makes me angry? I mean, even what I do for work, but just as a civilian, okay, well, it's fine that we, we ban all of these things and they want this gun control then why are you as a politician standing with bodyguards having those firearms that I cannot have? Is your life better than mine? No, it's not. So I know they have, they have access to stuff that we as civilians will never have unless you have the proper licensing for it or you work in an environment that allows you to have it. But you know, when you start looking at things like home protection and self-protection, something in the books that says you can't use a firearm. So, and if something was happening in your house and you didn't use a firearm to, uh, and you had access to it or, you know, a weapon of opportunity or something like that to, to protect your family. I mean, I think you've just shit the bed as a father or as a parent or something like that. So, um, I I look at it as self-protection as well. Things aren't easy nowadays, you know, in your neighborhoods. I mean, I know who some of the bad guys are in the, where I live. A lot of other people, you know, are pretty flighty and have no idea what's going on. So, I don't know. I mean, we could have more and more stuff like the Chaz or the Chop or whatever they call it. That could happen here in Canada, and I can actually see it happening. And then I can see disorder in the streets. I can see things going on where the police are going to be overwhelmed. And, you know, my house is left unattended with my family being here. And they're... Most of uh, who's in my house knows how to use because uh, uh, we've gone out shooting and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. But if I'm at work protecting somebody else's family, and you know the cops out here where I live, they can't get to where my family is. You know they're they're going to take things into their own hands and they're going to repel that attacker, that active attacker. So when someone's breaking into your house, they're there to commit a criminal act. They're not there to deliver that Amazon package that someone stole off your porch two weeks ago. <laughs> so. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, you can defend yourself with a firearm in Canada. It's just you can't have it with you to defend yourself until you're attacked, which is the weird thing. I have a, a buddy in the States, and his he has a daughter that goes to a university in Ontario, and the daughter is being stalked by someone that they are very, very concerned with. And uh, he gave me a call and just said, hey, man, I want to get a, a carry permit for my daughter. What do I need to do in Canada? You can't. So well, we, we, we can get you the bag to carry it in, but that's about it. Here's some Skittles. Yeah. Uh, get a holster. I, you can buy the you holster. Buy Absolutely. I've, uh, I'm back and forth on, I would support uh, concealed carry. And I think the standard of care and the level of training if it was brought here into Canada and it was allowed, I think it would be a lot higher than what would be down in some of the States. Uh, I think that would be something that would be again, highly regulated, highly controlled, but I think the training that would go into it would actually be a bonus. And uh, again, we would be held to a higher standard. And uh, like I've, like when I've carried off duty or when I've carried in plain clothes and stuff like that, 
it's cool to watch all these videos, you know, these holsters that they have that are made out of Kydex that people carry them at three o'clock or kidney or, you know, places like that. It's actually not very comfortable. And it's, you know, it's not a grandiose thing that you have uh, once you get into it. Is it something you can get used to? Absolutely it is. But I think the training with it that would come afterwards, I think would be stellar and world-class if it was brought here in Canada. And it would open up a market to a whole new business style and it would employ people. Yeah. I've got some buddies down in the States that carry and, and again, plainclothes cops, friends and stuff. And the ones I've talked to down in the States who carry as civilians, they're not screwing around. Like it's not this this wild west idea that the the media somehow has that you're just carrying a gun because you're going to go get in a gunfight. Like most of the, all of these people that I know, they're very, very serious about it. And they're very aware that, you know, if, if I make a mistake, I'm going to jail. It'll yeah. Just... And then again, it's, it's that higher standard of care where when you listen to people like Colion Noir and some of these other people as well, that, that we well that I follow, you know, it's like, well, I know I have this on me getting into this uh, scenario and escalating it to a point where um, I've induced the um, jeopardy, um, like what we would call it here is uh, officer-induced jeopardy, where the um, use of force escalated beyond where it should have been. Um, you know, you would think twice, you know what, I'm not going to get into this road rage incident, I'm going to get off the highway. I'm just going to get away from this guy altogether. So stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, when I've heard that from other people, it's it's not that you're looking to get into a fight, but if you absolutely have to, you can get yourself out, but you're going to do everything you can to not have to do it. I have some friends that are, uh, I mean, I should have listened to them all those years ago. Uh, I, I joined karate, you know, over 30 years ago, and I, I went through the varying belt systems and stuff like that as well. And I should have listened. I got a few that are uh, uh, joined judo instead because it was more applicable to where they lived. And then as well as I've got friends that are quite, quite good at the varying jiu-jitsu styles. And uh, I know that if something ever happened when we were out, I wouldn't even have to do anything. Like these guys could tear you up into a pretzel unless they meet somebody that is of a higher training than them, which a lot of times you don't meet that person. Yeah, on the street. pretty unlikely. You, you meet yeah. that person in the ring, right? When you're matched up together. But then they're going to say, well, I know I can go out and I can screw people up and I can put them in a Camorra or I can do, you know, uh, a guillotine or, you know, I can choke the person. But do they? No. So it's just nice to know that when you're out with your family, you have that ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, same with the firearms, right? People that people that know what they can do, they're not looking for trouble. Exactly. So, I mean. Look at our safes. Look at all the things that we go through in order to render our firearms safe and uh, to ensure that nobody gets their hands on them that shouldn't have them and stuff like that. A lot of us, we go above and beyond, right? So that's just the way it is. And it becomes habit. So my OCD makes me do things a certain way. And if I don't do it, you know, I don't get ticks or anything like that, but it's like, okay, I got to go down and redo everything. I got to make sure shit's done a certain way. Right. So I'm the same way. Did I remember to lock the safe before I left the room tonight? I better go back down yeah. and check it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like my work pistol, when I put it into the lockbox, it always has to be put in. Well, obviously you put it in um, chamber uh, facing up. So you lay it down on the, uh, on the, on the left side, but then I'll think, Oh, did I do that? Because that's how I'm supposed to grab it. And then, like, say there was an emergency, I know that that's the way it is, and I get in there right away kind of thing. But, yeah, just stupid idiosyncrasies like that. Yeah. yeah. 
Awesome. Nice. All right. Who's going to ask the questions about cool. confiscation? Uh, you going to come kick people's doors in, Craig, when, when they ban the guns? You personally come to my house, boot my door in? Someone is. No. No, they're not. <laughs> Someone okay. going to ask why? Why? Logistically, it's impossible. So right now, in order to seize a firearm where it is uh, turned over through an amnesty, or um, you know, we a lot of times what it is is we have, uh, our, you know, an old Nona. Her husband has died years ago, and then the family through the estate finds his old uh, hunting guns and stuff like that as well. So when we collect those, um, uh, we will we will either say. You can hold on to them even though you don't have the, the proper licensing or give them to somebody in your family that does. But through the estate, you can sell those firearms to somebody that can use them rather than having them destroyed. And you can put some money in your pocket. We try to explain that to people as well because that is their legal right. And um, uh, that, that was something that was done through a, a co-worker of mine. Uh, he passed away of cancer. And uh, his, uh, his wife had a firearm that belonged to him. And uh, I mean, just because it was him, uh, I mean, I bought it, right? So I bought it through the estate. But on top of that, when we seize one firearm, the amount of paperwork that goes into what needs to be done to seize it, provide documentation to the person that we seized it from, as well as um, what we need for our property and evidence bureau, the things that we have to do to trace serial numbers and things like that as well ahead of time. Um, I mean, even just putting the boxes together because no box comes put together. I think these boxes come from Ikea and these boxes, no matter how many times you put them together, they, I don't know, man, they, there's some sort of witchcraft with these things. They never stay where they're supposed to. And so to do one, it'll take one cop one hour. So during the gun amnesty, uh, I wasn't where I was right now, but my partner was working during it. Um, it was hundreds of hours of um not saying wasted police work because it was you know it's it's a lawful it's a lawful thing that people were doing they're turning them in voluntarily but uh it's going to take a lot so now you have to say well who's going to do it well they're not going to be taking the cops off the street because now we're going to be defunded or money's going to be taken away because they're being it, the money could be put somewhere else maybe better used that's another topic i would suppose Okay, well then maybe we have to train some civilians up that work with us. Well, we can't really pull a lot of our civilians out because they're doing functional jobs that we require to have business continuity of the police department every single day. Okay, well, what about some of our new special constables that we've hired? Well, we could hire a class of say 50 in order to assist with this and then redeploy them afterwards, but you still need the civilian clerks to do the property and the paperwork uh, for one, the storage as well. Where are we going to store all these? Like literally, I would assume and stacks and millions stacks of guns. I think. Well, hundreds, hundreds of thousands. I mean, like, like there, there's parts of this that'll be difficult. Like I, I would imagine that for a buyback, they'll have to bring them in centrally. The buyback bit will be hard because I'm not sure how they're going to uh, like figure out so value that, so and that kind of thing. So then you also have to, okay, so say we're going to do that. So we're going to do the buyback or it's the same model as somebody turning their stuff in. 
you have to have somewhere central for people to go and do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in Toronto, we're going to do this, you know, the wages, the storage, uh, the time, the energy, the paperwork, you know, all of that stuff, logistically impossible. I mean, just throw money at it. I mean, like, because the, the, those, those are problems until you throw a lot of money at them and then they're not problems anymore. If the government's willing to run up the deficit to a trillion dollars, uh, this year, then I don't uh, think, yeah. And and I don't think like we're even in more debt now when that guy was voted in than beforehand, because apparently it was supposed to budget itself or balance itself. Yeah. So, oh, so yeah, I, I mean, oh. like if, if the government throws like billions at, at, at relatively small issues, so I think right now they're going to, they're going to give students a thousand bucks for, for volunteer work and that kind of thing. Like, and he's just throwing money away, like, like silly business. I don't think this is going to get in the way. Uh, like, and they, they've, they've spent silly money on, on crappy gun laws before and yeah. it hasn't stopped them in the past. So if, if the only problem is money, uh, they'll, they'll just borrow more. And then, okay, so, so that happens. But then what about the people that don't turn their stuff in and our grandfathering time disappears and they mm-hmm. want to start tar- targeting people? Well, who's going to do all that? It's not going to be the municipal police services that are doing it, especially the small ones. Provincially, yeah, maybe, I guess, if they have the manpower to do it. Federally, yeah. RCMP ain't doing too great right now. So yes. this, this, this is a federal problem i don't see this as a municipal or provincial problem this is something that's been brought in by the federal government and it's going to be up to them to figure out how they're going to enforce it yeah what may have what they could let their they could let the provincial uh police forces or municipal police forces let know hey this guy we know he's got this firearm it's now prohibited he didn't turn it in uh we need you to go knock on his door and figure out where it is he's he's violated a law i mean that's that's possible and that's after pulling out everyone who handed theirs in because they wanted the, the buyback cash. Right. Like in, well, for, so for in the order... registered ones, for the registered ones, I would imagine that compliance rates will be high because there's just no hiding it for the non-registered ones. <laughs> that's going to take decades, decades yep. and decades. Yeah. And you'll find those out down the road when there's a death or, yep. you know, something happens. Fire. Later on. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. So somebody, so they're going to try and get somebody to come to your door can't come in without a warrant and to type that warrant up and to get all these warrants you're going to have to get judges or jps on your side which generally as long as a warrant is deemed lawful on its face and there are no issues with it yeah the warrant will will be issued but they're going to order well, they're going to make work. up all the tens of thousands of warrants against canadians yep give me a break man yeah no it's going to well, be high river all do. over again with the non-registered yep. ones, are they just like literally? How do you sort that out? I mean, there's still I don't think they will thousands and thousands of FN fouls out there, and AKs and all sorts of and AR-15s. I think they're just, just gonna they're just register. gonna go on the honor system for those because there's just it's Absolutely. just too hard to do by paperwork. And then, of course, because we're Canadians and we do conduct ourselves on a higher standard, there will be people that will come forward and provide their. Um, the non-restricted ones that have, that have become prohibited. But, uh, but if they don't, again, it's going to be something, you know, 40 years from now where I've died and my kids now find, you know, they finally find the key to my, uh, you know, my locker or my, my safe. And then they find these rifles in there and they've deemed, uh, well, let's get rid of them. 
let's make some money on them. That's when they'll start finding things like that. So, or um, if your neighbor calls on you or something like that. So yeah, yeah there's a yeah. fire, a heart attack, or something. Somebody shows up and sees something they should. Oh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that happens as well too. A lot of it is is through medical. You know, I've been to a lot of uh, older European homes where you know the, the older residents there have uh, there's been a medical issue, and you know they have their non-restricted you know, Frankie, a uh, shotgun out, uh, legally displayed in a cabinet or something like that. And, you know, that's how people are going to find out is, is, is through those means as well. Um, you see that over in England a lot where some guy dies and you find out that he had like, you know, 500 machine guns in his basement for the last 60 years or he had a tank yep. under his house <laughs> like that German guy a little while ago. <laughs> yeah, a or uh, a tank. We're still, we're still finding uh, unexploded ordnance in the city of Toronto from way back when Toronto had, uh, uh, what did we make down in Long Branch? Is it the, the Sten or the Sterling or something like that? My, uh, my grandmother did that before she was, uh, was, she was a clerk. Sterling. I think it was Stens and uh, the, yeah. the as well. Yeah, so my grandmother did that, and which is why um, my family, that side of the family ended up uh, settling in Etobicoke because they mm -hmm. lived down there. But uh, she also got, after that, she was actually sent to Camp X. She was a typist there. So, yeah, she's got some pretty, well, she had some pretty cool stories about being up there with uh, Ian Fleming and things like that. So, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're a bit too early to say. We don't know what's going to happen. Right now, we're all just sitting on uh, safes full of uh, cool, fun guns that we can't do any competitions with or anything right now. And, uh, I think something's going to happen where two years. Yeah, I, th I think you know it's it's the votes. We got to get people out to vote and understand what they're voting for, understand what the law, why these laws are not proper, and then explain to them well they could come for you later on. So, you know, I know I, I've talked to uh, you know during my time when I was a uh, I was in the highway patrol for a while. And I've also done uh, traffic work. Uh, you know, there are, there are smaller groups that are out there that are um, pushing for governors in cars. Is that an unreasonable expectation? Maybe not. It'll slow people down and maybe reduce the amount of um, injuries and fatalities and car accidents and stuff like that. But car accidents are always going to happen regardless. So that's the same thing with taking firearms away from legal owners. You're, you may reduce... Uh, firearms on the street that are taken as a result of theft or a break-in, which the percentage is very small, but we're still going to have firearms coming up over the border and our weed going down there. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Possible to stop. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and uh, kind of giving us a perspective from uh, from the uh, front lines on the streets. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Thanks, Dave. And. Uh, I don't know. If people got questions. They want to reach out afterwards. Invite me back, and I can answer some specific questions. And uh, hey, we'll take it from there. Definitely. Thanks for coming on. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Craig. Appreciate we'll it, guys. Soon. Thank you. All right. Take care, brother. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Craig for uh, coming on and giving us that uh, that pers perspective perspective of uh, what it's like to be on the police on the front lines and uh, his opinion on these uh, firearms laws.
Uh, listener feedback. Uh, so just on the Facebook version here, now you've been kind of jumping in and, and grabbing these as we're going along. There was one early on that I'm just not sure if I understand fully. Um, I said, just FYI for any civilians with their CGD controlled goods license, they're refusing to refu renew any licenses for anyone that's now in possession of a prohibited firearm. They give you 10 days to turn in all your controlled goods, firearms, devices for destruction or deactivation, no compensation. Make sure to sell or transfer before your license is up for renewal or you'll lose them. So that would be people with grenade launchers like M203s is my understanding on that one because you have to have a, you have to have that controlled goods license in order to have it. So no license, no gun, no launcher and uh, guess what? They, they won't cover them. So you're done. I mean, they're prohibited anyways now. So they're... They're prohibited by turn it in now. Uh, wait for the government to give you maybe compensation down the road. It's it's give us your stuff is my understanding. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so, interesting. Just just spend thousands of dollars on an actual genuine M two hundred three. Bye bye. Huh. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. I I get that right, Jamie. Yeah. Anyways, let us know. Yeah, let us know in the comments there. Yep. Kurt says, check out Dr. Deals. Just picked up 762 by 39 Lar mags for $19 a mag. Four mags of shipping was 100 bucks. Yeah, that is a very good price yeah. for uh, Lar mags, 762 by 39 Those are a little bit harder to find. What fits those? I guess any of your rifles in 762 by 39 uh, That Scorpio SKS-15. XCR is a pro hip now. Mm, mag will still fit it. True. <laughs> True, it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, those are non-registered as well. Those XCRs. Uh, finally, let's get on to listener feedback. Listener feedback is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Armory DC Gunsmith is a full-service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot bluing, parkerizing, and Cerakote finishes, as well as wood refinishing. Check out his online inventory of new and used guns, firearms, accessories, optics, and more at dcgunsmith.ca. I don't believe we have any listener feedback this week. Uh, but if you'd like to send an email in, just forward that email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We'll probably read it on the air. I think we read pretty much everything. Even the incoherent ones. We try to we try to read them. You know, the, the dickhead thing we'll do is we'll read it exactly as it's written, and it'll sound really terrible. We won't, like, reinterpret it at all. So if you've got like grammar check, yeah, and and whatever like weird spell correction your your phone has uh, recommended, we'll go with that. We'll go with whatever exactly. whatever it told us to. Yeah, send in your conspiracy theories, whatever crazy stuff you got. We'll read it online. Exactly. Comments also, about uh, Adriel. Maybe you're curious about how Adriel gets his head just that shiny. Let's hear some theories. Throw them out. Eh, Check that out. Almost see myself in there. Oh, fantastic. Oh, man. My camera's really hating this green screen. It's just, yeah, it just it doesn't look, know what to do. <laughs> you look seriously sunburned right now. Unless you actually are sunburned. I thought, you know, for as many years as I've been alive, I always sunburn when the first like weekend I get where I go outside for the whole weekend. And I avoided it last weekend because I put sunblock on. And this is like the first time I've like, it only took however many decades for me to figure that out that I should put sunblock on because I'm pasty white. <laughs> I 
can't hear you there. I'm probably muted. Yeah, your uh, very, very white sunblock is your friend. I, uh, I sunblock when I'm at the range, and that's about it, because um, when I first started doing service rifle running the matches, I ran the butts, and I was facing into the sun for, you know, the first five hours, and then the sun was behind me as the worst sunburn I've ever had, and it was one of those lovely ones where it's just around your neck and your face and your nose. I, it was awful. And then I had to come back the next day and run the range again. So I was, I was, I looked like a mummy. I was uh, very well protected the next day. I think the worst ones to get are, uh, are, are uniquely like bald people problems. Like getting this one on the back of your head is awful. I'm just holding up a hat showing like the D at the back here. Cause that one looks real stupid. Like if you're a golfer and, and you get like the, the weird ankle burn, like that's not a big deal. Just wear some shot socks that go up past it and you won't see that, like that definitive mark. What are you supposed to wear to hide this? A hat, I guess. You gotta wear a hat everywhere, even inside. You're at work. Turn your hat yeah, you know, just <laughs> just doing your work, doing your thing. Don't mind me. <laughs> wearing a hat for no reason whatsoever. I'm wearing a hat at my office job. Yeah. Uh, Patreon supporters, uh, if you want to help out with the show, go over to Patreon.com/slash/slamfireradio, uh, or check out our website and uh, click through and go buy something from Cabell's. That works too. Uh, shout out, Dave. Uh, just everybody that dropped in. I see that a couple of my uh, Facebook friends have shared it on my page, and I see uh, Joe, uh, Joe, and uh, and Lyle have dropped in. So thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening. Awesome. Uh, for myself, the uh, IITs that helped me uh, put on those events uh, on Saturday, Sunday. Thank you very much. That was that's a little a lot of work, and uh, appreciate those guys for coming out and helping out. And then, uh, yeah, just the rest of the Maple Seed crew just for helping out with, uh, with the other events that we're scheduling for later in the year. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. We have lots to do. Yeah, nice. Oh, I guess we should, uh, should throw out a special thanks to, uh, to our friend uh, Craig Coleman for dropping by as well. Just mention yeah. him again. Thank you so much, Craig. That was awesome. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, finally, check out the uh, CCFR. Go join them. Uh, find us on Gun Owners of Canada. Like us on Facebook and reach out to your city councilor now to talk about municipal handgun bans because, um, I mean, Trudeau promised to put something in there. Maybe COVID has got him distracted. Probably not. Probably just, uh, I don't know, waiting for another tragedy that would not have been stopped by this at all to uh, stand on and uh, proclaim that, how he's going to fix everything with legislation that will do nothing. So go talk to your, your councilors about this. Get a bunch of your local gun owners together and then go talk to your counselors. It's uh, more powerful if 50 of you show up or have signatures on something and then it's just you. Yeah, yeah. Talk to them, write your letters, do your meetings, do all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.